Norma, would you pray for the, our missionaries, pray for our fellowship, and then pray for our time in the world? Father God, bless them deeply, we pray, God. So we give this time to you, Lord Jesus. 
Father, I do thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you've made a way. Father, that we can boldly come into your presence. For those that are in Christ, for those who have been born again, Thank you, God, that your love endures forever. I thank you, Father, that your word goes forth and doesn't return void. I thank you, Father, that you are faithful to complete which which you have begun in us. And I thank you, Father, that your word declares that no weapon forged against us shall prosper. Thank you that our hope, God, is in Christ and in Christ alone. And that hope in Christ would never disappoint us. So I pray, God, as we gather this morning and, Lord, as we open up your word, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And for those who are not in Christ, for those who are not born again, that today would be the day of salvation. God, that their eyes would be open, their ears would hear, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that for those, God, who are in Christ, that they would be encouraged to continue to persevere, continue to be developed, to be be more like Christ, advancing your kingdom, being about their Father's business, And so, Father, we thank you that you know where each one of us are at. And we thank you, God, that you brought us together to yet again to reveal yourself to us. So we say, yes, Lord, have your way among us and in us and through us. For your glory and for your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God you will harvest what you plant. And I've been praying for us, and I've been asking God to to really give us insight and understanding, because I know that's a verse, and it's just one simple verse that we've heard throughout the year, and we will continue to hear throughout the year. But I hope that it's not falling upon deaf ears, but I am hoping that it's falling upon a fertile heart of good soil to receive it, so that we are challenged every single day, throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the rest of this year, truly give thought to how we're living. To understand that what we give ourselves to, it will come back upon us. And oh, how I pray that we're giving ourselves to Christ, that we're yielding ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, especially if we're Christians. And if you're not a Christian, oh, how I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that you would come to the revelation of who Christ is and your need for Christ, that you would be led to repentance, that you would begin to sow seeds of righteousness, that you would begin to seek Christ, to know Christ, to live for Christ, to honor Christ, 
And oh, how I pray that if you are a Christian, that you are not denying Christ by the way in which you are living, but that you too are honoring Christ and loving Christ with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with all of your body, and with all of your strength. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. And then 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. We're going to look at the truth of our faith, warnings against false teachers, and being a good servant of Christ Jesus. We hope that as we read through 1 Timothy, and we're going to read a few chapters in Hebrews, and before we pick up in Deuteronomy, but for 1 Timothy and Hebrews, oh how I pray and hope that they would be an encouragement to you as you plant seeds of righteousness and that you would give thought to how you are living. Listen to Scripture. Chapter 3 verse 14 through 16. Paul says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God which is the pillar and foundation of truth. Highlight that, <clears throat> circle that, meditate upon that throughout this week. Listen to what Paul is directing Timothy. If Paul cannot get there, he wants to ensure that Timothy is reminding the church how they must conduct themselves as the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Chapter 4. Now the Holy Spirit teaches us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Sit there for a moment. Think about that for a moment. He's warning us yet again of false teachers. And we see that all throughout the New Testament. The church is reminded to be on alert. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rulers and principalities and air in the darkness. Satan, our enemy, He's seeking whom he may devour. He's infiltrated the church with false teachers. He's perverted the gospel. And people are following it. They're giving in to it. They turn from truth and begin to follow lies. 
they begin to follow deceptive teachings of demons. And we just get up and show up to church. Did you prepare your heart today? Did you prepare your mind today? Did you prepare yourself today as the church, the household of the living God? Are you doing that daily? Are you seeking Him daily? Because it can't just be a Sunday. No, it has to be every day of your life. Every day of your life. You're growing, you're maturing as a Christian. Even in the moments of your failures, you get up, you repent, and you move on. You have to be mindful of of who you belong to now. You are not your own. You're not living out of the rebellious nature that you were born into. No, if you are a Christian, you have been born again of a new spirit. You are led now by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God Himself in you. And you're you're called now not to live a life that grieves Him, but you're called to live a life that honors Him. Are you remaining alert? I had an opportunity to speak to a gentleman this week. And as we were talking about his failures this week, and yet how when he failed, he knew, he felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he was torn with the fact that yet again he found himself where he was at. But yet he knew that God was calling him to repentance. But he was struggling with the fact that how can I repent when I just keep going back to this filth? And I encouraged him and I said, Brother, thank God you feel the weight of conviction. You feeling the weight of conviction is a a, a reminder of whom you belong to. And I want to encourage us today. When you feel the conviction, when you know that God is speaking and calling you out, it doesn't matter how many times you have fallen, when you hear the voice of the Lord, respond. (laughs) Respond. He's yet again revealing Himself to you. His love towards you. His mercy towards you. His grace towards you. For you to respond, to be transformed. I said, brother, the day you ought to worry (laughs) is when you sin... And you feel nothing except you want more and more and more of what you desire. Because then you understand that God has turned you over to yourself. God help us. God help us to abide in Christ. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Die to yourself daily. Pick up your cross and follow Him. Deny yourself. Do not let sin master you. Because you've been freed by Christ. And Paul is reminding the church of these false teachers 
They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created these foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideals and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you were young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. And then keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. And you say, well, that was to Timothy. And I will say, no, that is not only to Timothy, but to the church. You are responsible for how you are living out your faith in front of others. You are responsible if you are claiming the name of Christ, if you are saying that you are a follower of Christ, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, then you are responsible to live as one. <laughs> Not in and of your own strength, but in dependence completely upon Christ and on Christ alone. There is a way in which we are daily to cultivate as the Spirit of God leads us our hearts and our minds. For our minds to be renewed so that we would be transformed. We are to take every thought captive and bring it into the obedience of His Lordship we are to abide and remain in Christ. We are to remain in the Scriptures. We are to read the Scriptures. We are to not only be hearers of the Word, but we are to be doers of it. We should be applying it to our lives. 
We are to live upright in a crooked and perverse generation. We are to be walking on straight paths, not crooked ones. Our lives are not to be chaotic, but they are to be in order. There is a way in which we are to live that we're not giving over to lust, but we're remaining pure. We think upon that which is good, which is lovely, which is pure. We are to be holy as Christ is holy. There are standards in which we are to live by, not because man says, but because God says. So how are you living? Because the justice of God will not be mocked. You are going to harvest what you plant. This is a lifestyle. This is who you are now. You're not to be yoked to your old. You're to be coming forth in your new. Amen. When you see the old, repent, turn from it, recognize it, get up from it, and move forward. We're living in a day and age, as you've heard me say, over and over where it's getting darker and the church should be growing brighter. And I know when we look out and we see the chaos that's going on, I know at times you may even get fearful. I know at times you may want to withdraw. I know at times you may not want to speak up. But I'm telling you it's not time to withdraw or to be quiet or to be fearful. No, you have got to get up. The hour is urgent. And I keep telling us, Yet, though, it sounds like doom and gloom, it's not for the church. For the church, we recognize the hour. We recognize that with the hope that we have of the return of Christ. And we recognize that we are to be about our Father's business. So yet, though, there is, it looks like doom and gloom, where is the hope for the world? Not only is it always found in Christ, but the hope that the world has today is that the church is still on the earth. Amen. Because we are His representatives. We are to be the ones living in light. Being the light. Preaching the gospel. Speaking up. Not cowering down and quaking in our boots. No, we're standing upright with our heads lifted up and with the Gospel coming from our lips. Serving and loving others because we know the hour is near. So, how are you living? How are we living? Go to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read Hebrews 3, 4, 5, and 6. We're going to see that Jesus is greater than Moses. We're going to see the promised rest for God's people. We're going to hear how Christ is our high priest. We're going to hear a call to spiritual growth. And we're going to finally hear God's promises bring hope. Hebrews chapter 3. Three. And so, dear brothers and sisters, who, look at this, belong to God and are partakers 
with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder. But the one who built God everything, I'm sorry, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truth God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, will you hear His voice? Don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There, your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, And I said, their hearts always turn from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So my anger, so in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Pause just for a second. Let that fall upon you and within you. This is what the Holy Spirit says. Verse 7. Verse 8. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Verse 9. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. Verse 10, so I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts are always, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Oh, how I pray that that is not said of you. Oh, how I pray that God, God, because He knows us all, that these would not be the words of God concerning your life. That He would not say of you or me, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So they will never enter into my my place of rest. So he goes on to the church. He says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil 
and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Oh, that the church would wake up. Oh, that the church would hear what the Spirit is saying. We have many false teachers. They've been leading the church astray. That's why the church, especially in the West, is not standing up in this hour. Not all of them. There, are the, there is a remnant, there is a group of people who have a sincere devotion to God, who is standing up in this wicked, perverse generation declaring truth. But from the numbers that we see that are sitting in churches, where are they? How is our nation where it's at? With everyone, the multitude of people showing up for church throughout the years, where are they? Where are you? What impact are you having on this generation? On the people around you? Listen to what he's saying to the church. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turning away from the living God. That's for you. That's for me. Every single day of our lives. And we just thought it was a one-time prayer. We just thought it was just come to church. Show up when I want to. Turn on when I want to. Give when I want to. Pray when I want to. Serve when I want to. It's all about me, isn't it? Are we kidding ourselves? It's about Him. From the beginning to the end, it's about Him. He is not impressed with you just showing up. He is not impressed with you just throwing stuff into the offering. He is not impressed with your soulish prayers. He is not impressed with your religious works. Especially when, you're, when, the, the, when the motivation of all of that is you. <laughs> and not Him. Do you love Him? <laughs> Listen to what He's saying here. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Look at the good news there. Look at the good news there. Look at the promise that is there. Are you encouraging yourself daily? Are you connecting with other Christians Daily. Are you reminding each other daily of how you ought to be living? Who Christ is guarding your heart, your mind, 
watching where you're going and what you're doing? Are you living a life that is honoring Christ? Have you truly repented? Have you truly been born again? Because if not, then you await His wrath. You await an eternity separated from God. Not because, ooh, God is bad. No, it's because you're bad. You're evil. You're rebellious. You're unbelieving. You have a hardened heart. You see, God is good. And God is gracious. And God is kind. And God is just. And God is loving. He is merciful. His will is that none shall perish. But He will not force you to love Him. Today, He goes on. Remember what it says. Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard His voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when He took an oath that they would never enter His rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed Him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter His rest. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Oh my God, highlight that, circle that, underline that. Chapter 4, verse 1. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. He's talking to the church. Are you trembling with fear? Are you concerned about other believers to uphold truth, to speak truth, to love Christ before them and not just tolerate their sin, not just tolerate their wickedness, not just tolerate their unbelief, but uphold truth. The Bible tells us not even to sit down with someone who calls himself a Christian that has anger problems. The Bible tells us very clear how we are to be living, whom we should be having fellowship with, and how we are to be upholding truth. Do you not love that individual enough to tell them truth? Or are you so afraid of how they may reject you or respond to you? Get over yourself. You're going to have blood on your hands. And I would say, if you're not prompted to encourage others 
then that's just a reflection of your daily life. That you're not even encouraging yourself and your heart's growing hardened. Unbelief is setting in. You're going to start drifting. I don't want to be that religious. (laughs) I don't want to be a fanatic. I want to fit in. I don't want to rock the boat. I just love Jesus and I just want to keep Jesus to myself. No! That's not a believer. That's not the church. No, we've got to understand the urgency of the hour. We have wasted too much time. And time is drawing to a close. Listen to what he says to the church. The good news, God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. And he just told us at the end of chapter 3, weren't these the people whom God delivered, whom God loved, whom God spoke to, who rebelled against Him? They didn't enter his rest. Well, I went to church. I said a little prayer. I threw money in the offering. I showed up when I wanted to. Isn't that just enough? No. You're rebellious. You lack belief and faith. Again, you've made it about yourself. And God is not moved by works. God is moved by faith. Do you believe? For this, he goes on, verse 2, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did not... But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter His rest. As for the others, God said, In my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since He made the world, we know it is ready because of the place and the Scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of His work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there. Oh God, please hear verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering His rest. And that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua has succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. 
So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. He's talking to the church. To all of those who are gathering into the church. If you do not believe, you're not entering into his rest. But I prayed a prayer. <laughs> I was baptized. <laughs> I took communion. <laughs> I showed up when I wanted to. I turned on when I wanted to. When I had nothing else to do. And everything in my schedule aligned for me to have time to do it. I did it. Isn't that enough? No. Oh. You fooled yourself. You've been deceived. Listen to what he's saying. Verse 11. So let us do our best to enter the rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. Verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive, look at this, his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The good news. We hear the judgment. And then we hear the good news. <laughs> you harden your heart. You lack faith. You're unbelieving. You will not enter. <laughs> but for those who do believe, who hold firmly to their belief, listen to the good news. Jesus, our high priest, is in heaven. He was the final sacrifice. He took our punishment. He has delivered us. He has reconciled those who call upon the name of the Lord back to God. And so we can now boldly come to His throne. We understand that He knows our weaknesses. 
Our weaknesses are not to define us. Our weaknesses are not just to continue to go over and over and over and over until you exhaust yourself, until you exhaust the others that are listening to you. No, you come to Christ. He understands your weakness. And yet he is gracious. And listen to this. There you will receive his mercy. And you will find grace to help us where we need it most. Grace, the power to transform you. It's not the license for you to continue to sin and to mock God. No, it's the power to transform you. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people and their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. We're learning this as we're going through the Old Testament. And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. That is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sin as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage God said to him, You are a priest forever in order of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal, look at this, salvation for all of those who obey him. Underline that. Circle that. Stop mocking God. Stop treating his blood and his, and his death as if it was just nothing. Just to continue to go how you want to go and do how you want to do. And then show up. God help us. God help us. All that he endured. God is faithful. From the beginning to the end. He will have a people who he calls his own. And in return they will call him their God. They will live for him. They will honor him. With how they live their lives. They're not one foot in and one foot out. They're not here today, gone tomorrow. No, they're hungry for the things of God. They want to be discipled. They want to live for Christ. They want to honor Christ. They're just not sitting with lukewarm Christians, letting them act however they want. No, they're encouraging them. They're, they're uplifting them. And if needed, they remove themselves from them. <laughs> As to not to get polluted by them. They have a desire to see the lost saved. 
They don't think they're better than the world. No, they humbled themselves so to serve them and to love them and to encourage them. They know that they are an enemy to the world, to Satan. They know that they are behind enemy lines. And so they dress for battle daily. They seek God daily. They honor Christ daily. They seek and they depend on the Holy Spirit daily. Their life is not their own because they laid it down freely. Oh, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Listen to what it says here. Verse 9. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source. God, highlight that. Circle that. Meditate upon that. Of eternal salvation for all of those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus himself says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I ask? Verse 17. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull, And don't seem to listen. Oh, they had the same problem in the church then. As we find today, as there were continued to be people who do not listen and they are spiritually dull. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Oh, grow up, mature. We just don't remain stagnant and left behind. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a new believer. But for God's sakes, if you've been in church for years and you're still a new believer, something is wrong. And it's not God holding back anything from you. It's you holding back from God. Come on. There has to be an awakening. As a new believer, you come to Christ. Your eyes have been opened. God himself was pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. You're now a partaker of his divine nature. You have born again as you've repented of your evil ways. 
You recognized that you were a sinner in need of a Savior and you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus. You believed that He is the Son of God and that He is risen from the dead. And you laid this foundation, your solid truth, foundation, the fundamental truth of Christ Jesus and eternal salvation in Christ. And then you build on that truth. You get discipled. You grow. You mature. But I'll just show up when I want. I'll just click on when I want. I'll just do what I, when I want to do it. You're fooling yourself. The church is being reminded here. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with a fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. See, all of that is your, fun, your fundamental truth. That's your basic truth. That's your basic training. You're building on these. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing Him to the cross again and holding Him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Do not just go by these scriptures. Do you not hear what they are saying? For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessings. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. How is the soil of your heart what fruit is coming from your life? If no fruit is coming from your life, 
God have mercy. Especially if you're sitting in church and you're calling yourself a Christian. You've experienced the goodness of God. Your heart is hardening. You are rejecting Him. You keep crucifying Him over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter what solid teaching you're sitting under. You will not respond because you do not love God. God help us. Oh, but I'm praying. Oh, but look what I've written to God. Look. I showed up today. Look, I clicked on today. Look, I threw a little money in today. Look, didn't I go serve somewhere? Didn't I do something? God says, I don't even know you. Depart from me. And we want to play church. We just want to go to church. Just tell us what's good for us to hear. Make us feel good about ourselves so we can just keep living for ourselves. That's the devil perverting God's truth. Making Jesus' blood common. Just splashing it up on each other as if it's nothing. And we just ha 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 ha. And God, you don't know when you're going to take your last breath. You don't know. Listen to what the Word of God is saying. And yet, again, we see judgment. And now we're going to hear good news. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we don't really believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you've shown your love to Him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath to his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and will multiply you, I'm sorry, multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, the oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Highlight that, circle that. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible 
for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And oh, how I pray those words encouraged you. Listen to how chapter 6 concludes. So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we, are you included in the we? Are you living for Christ? Have you died to your old self? Have you been born again? Do you have an active faith? Are you serving and loving faithfully? Are you growing and are you maturing? Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge, have you fled to Christ for refuge? Have you repented? Have you turned from your sins? Have you turned to Christ? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is fruit coming from your life? Because look at this hope that we have. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It doesn't matter what is warring against you. It doesn't matter what circumstances are around you. It doesn't matter what is going on within you. You have a hope. You have Christ whom you can cling to. And you shall live and not die. You shall bear fruit and not be barren. You can enter in because Christ is already there. And as believers, we know that our position is in Christ. So do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You are going to harvest what you have planted. And oh, how I pray that these scriptures will encourage you. That they would draw you closer to Christ. That you would have fear. The fear of God. If you are not abiding in Christ, but all you're doing is just showing up when you want to show up and do when you want to do. 
You're just holding a form of religion and yet denying God's power. God have mercy upon your heart and your soul. Oh, that you would awaken today and that you would live for Christ. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 22, 21 through 22. God is faithful, you all. God is good. Oh, how I hope that you're seeing God and getting to know your God as we're going through the Scriptures. As we're seeking Christ through the Scriptures. God has the Israelites poised to enter in. He's setting them them up to claim His promises for them. And Moses again is reminding them how they are to live. How they are not to, to get tied up to the world and the other nations around them. So, we pick up here. When you are in the land the Lord your God is giving you, someone may be found murdered in a field, and you don't know who committed the murder. In such a case, your elders and judges must measure the distance from the site of the crime to the nearby towns. When the, near, when the nearest town has been determined, that town's elders must select from the um, must select from the herd a heifer that has never been trained or yoked to a plow. They must lead it down to a valley that has not been plowed or planted and that has a stream running through it. There in the valley they must break the heifer's neck. Then the Levitical priest must step forward for, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister before him and to pronounce blessings in the Lord's name. They are to decide all legal and criminal cases. The elders of the town must wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken. Then they must say, Our hands did not shed this person's blood, nor did we see it happen. O Lord, forgive your people Israel whom you have redeemed. Do not charge your people with the guilt of murdering an innocent person. Then they will be absolved of the guilt of this person's blood. By following these instructions, you will do, I'm sorry, you will do what is right in the Lord's sight and will cleanse the guilt of murder from your community. Suppose you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God hands them over to you and you take some of them captives. And suppose you see among the captives a beautiful woman and you are attracted to her and want to marry her. If this happens, you may take her to your home where she must shave her head and cut her nails and change the clothes she was wearing when she was captured. She will stay in your home, but let her mourn for her father and mother for a full month. Then you may marry her, and you will be her husband, and she will be your wife. But if you marry her and she does not please you, you must let her go free. You may not sell her or treat her as a slave, for you have humiliated her. Suppose a man has two wives, but he loves one and not the other, and both have given him sons. And suppose the firstborn son is the son of the wife he does not love. 
When the man divides his inheritance, he may not give the larger inheritance to his younger son, the son of the wife he loves, as if he were the firstborn. He must recognize the rights of his older son, the son of the wife he does not love, and giving, by giving him a double portion. He is the first son of his father's fertility, and the rights of the firstborn belong to him. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents may say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of this town must stone him to death. And this way you will purge this evil from among you, and all of Israel will hear about it and be afraid. If someone has committed a crime worthy of death and is executed and hung on a tree, the body must not remain hanging from the tree overnight. You must bury the body the same day for anyone who is hung is cursed in the sight of God. In this way, you will prevent the defilement of the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. These are the requirements in which God has set out for his people before they enter in. He knows all that they are going to face. And yet, he wants them to keep him center. He wants to be their center. He wants their hearts towards him. He doesn't want them just to get it, receive it, and then just live however they want. As it was for them, so it is for us today. As they were called to be holy, we're called to be holy. And again, there were specific things that were meant for Israel at this time that we as the church and the new covenant were not held to. But the foundational truths of the commandments of God, we are held to because Jesus didn't come to do away with them. He came to fulfill them. And so we may not fully understand uh, the, the purpose of some of these requirements, but we can trust in the fact that God is good and God is right and God is just. And God knows how people are lured away from Him. He does not tolerate death and murder. He does not tolerate people being betrayed, what's rightfully theirs, or held from what's rightfully theirs. He doesn't, he doesn't tolerate rebellion. There is a way in which they were to live. They weren't to look like the other nations. And don't miss verse 22. As it was with Jesus, His body was removed. That seed was hung, hung on the cross, hung on the cross. And Jesus became a curse for us. What Jesus had to endure was for you and for me. Chapter 22. If you see your neighbor's ox and sheep or goat wandering away, don't ignore your responsibility. 
take care, take it back to its own to its owner. If its owner does not live nearby or you don't know who the owner is, take it to your place and keep it until the owner comes looking for it. Then you must return it. Do the same if you find your neighbor's donkey, clothing, or anything else your neighbor loses. Don't ignore your responsibility. If you see that your neighbor's donkey or ox has collapsed on the road, do not look the other way. Go and help your neighbor get it back on its feet. A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. If you happen to find a bird's nest in a tree or on the ground and there are young ones or eggs in it with the mother sitting in the nest, do not take the mother with the young. You may take the young, but let the mother go so that you may prosper and enjoy a long life. When you build a new house, you must build a railing around the edge of its flat roof. That way you will not be considered guilty of murder if someone falls from the roof. You must not plant any crop between the rows of your vineyard. If you do, you are forbidden to use either the grapes from the vineyard or the other crop. You must not plow with an ox and a donkey harnessed together. You must not wear clothing made of wool and linen woven together. You must, not, you must, you must put four tassels on the hem of your cloak with, with which you cover yourselves on the front, back, and sides. Again, he's laying out these understanding, these, these, these rules to keep them pure, to remind them they are to be holy. They are set apart for Christ. They're not to look like the world or the other nations around them. As it was for them, so it is for us. And a lot of people will throw up you know, well, we don't do that anymore. We don't do this anymore. What kind of God are you following? And they always want to throw up things that they don't even know what they're saying. Oh, but how I pray that you are secure in who He is and who you are in Him. I don't have to try to defend God. God is God and God is good and God is great. And God is just and God is fair. And as he spoke, spoke then, so he speaks now. We are to look different than the world. We are to live differently. We are to walk humbly with our God. We are to represent Him. Suppose a man marries a woman, but after sleeping with her, he turns against her. And publicly accuses her of shameful conduct, saying, When I married this woman, I discovered she was not a virgin. Then the woman's father and mother must bring the proof of her virginity to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. Her father must say to them, I gave my daughter to this man to be his wife, and now he has turned against her. He has accused her of shameful conduct, saying, I discovered that your daughter was not a virgin, but here is the proof of my daughter's virginity. <coughs> then they must spread her bed sheet before the elders. 
The elders must then take the man and punish him. They must also find him a hundred pieces of silver, which he must pay to the woman's father because he publicly accused a virgin of Israel of shameful conduct. The woman will then remain the man's wife, and he may never, never divert, divorce her. But suppose the man's accusations are true, and he can show that she was not a virgin. The woman must be taken to the door of her father's home, and there the men of the town must stone her to death. For she has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents' home. And this way you will purge this evil from among you. If a man is discovered committing adultery, both he and the woman must die. And this way you will purge Israel of such evil. Suppose a man meets a young woman, a virgin who is engaged to be married, and he has sexual, and has sexual intercourse with her. If this happens within your town, you must take both of them to the gates of that town and stone them to death. The woman is guilty because she did not scream for help. The man must die because he violated another man's wife, and this way you will purge this evil from among you. But if the man meets and sorry, but if the man meets the engaged woman out in the country and he rapes her, then only the man must die. Do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no crime worthy of death. She as she is an innocent as a murdered victim. Since the man raped her out in the country, it must be assumed that she screamed, but there was no one to rescue her. Suppose a man has intercourse with a young woman who is a virgin but is not engaged to be married. If they are discovered, he must pay her father 50 pieces of silver. Then he must marry the young woman because he violated her, and he may never, never divorce her as long as he lives. A man must not marry his father's former wife, for this would violate his father. Purge the evil from among you. God is holy. They were called to be His holy people. They were about to enter into His promised land for them. God has set forth the standards. Again, He is a holy God. He is a just God. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He knows what's good for us. And in the new covenant, Jesus Christ came to deliver us, to purge the evil from within us. So that we may live. So that we may go forth into the world declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. That we may live and not die. That we can encourage others to come and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. The hope for mankind. There is a way in which we are to be living. It's God's standards. Now we are not out purging the evil from among us. Just stoning people to death and carrying on. Praise God. But we better be calling out evil. We better be upholding a standard of righteousness 
And we better be declaring the freedom from being captive and enslaved to it. That freedom is only found through Christ who took the punishment. And now we have the hope and the freedom to live. Remember Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life and abundance. How are you living, you all? Go to Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through chapter 10, verse 12. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through chapter 10, verse 12. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in. And birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and when and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. What are your motives for coming to Jesus, you all? Oh, how I pray it is of a sincere heart that has been drawn by the Holy Spirit that your eyes have been opened to receive Christ. You've been led to repentance. You've been born again. And now you're living for Christ. It's the work that He has begun in you. It's not religion that you have just come to be. People get hyped up. People want to follow. They get caught up in the moment. But they don't consider the cost. And Jesus tells His disciples to consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not moved by your hype for Him. He's very clear. 
I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Foxes have dens, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to even to lay his head. Do you understand what you're asking and what you're saying? Come, follow me, he says to another. The man agreed. Lord, first, let me return home to bury my father. And different commentaries, we really can't nail down if his father died already or if his father was living, but it would have been his responsibility to bury his father. So now we have to wait for your father to die and then I'll come. But which either way, Jesus wasn't first. Is Jesus first in your life? You can't put anything or anyone above Jesus. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says, Anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for my kingdom. Is your family first before Christ? If so, you're looking back. And I know we like to create a Christianity in the West where we want to just put Jesus on everything. We want to put everything first in our lives and then just slap Jesus on it. We want to build ministries around our desires and slap Jesus on it. And Jesus would appreciate this and Jesus surely would bless this. And yet we're putting everything and anything above him and he's not blessing it and he's not moved by it. In fact, he rejects it because he's not first. Is he first in your life? If he's not, oh, how I pray that you would be brought to repentance. That you would understand that it will cost you everything. And like I said last week, and as we see all throughout scriptures, it costs you to follow Christ. You are going to suffer. You are going to experience loss. It could be loss of family. It could be loss of friends. It could be loss of health. It could be loss of finances. It could be loss of whatever. <laughs> but consider it joy. Be rooted and grounded in Christ that you're not moved by that which was lost because you gained so much in Christ and that will never be lost. Oh, we gotta, we got to stop making Christianity this weird temporal religion. And we've got to understand truly what it means to be a follower of Christ. To be one who's been engrafted into His kingdom and to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. To one who puts their hand to the plow and goes onward. And they don't look back.
God help us. Chapter 10. We're going to read through verse 12. Then the Lord, I'm sorry, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. There, <clears throat> these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in, in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. What a beautiful prayer. And with the prayer that I encourage not only myself, I've encouraged others, and, I've encur- and I'll encourage you to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers. Now go, and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessings will stand. If they are not, the blessing will remain will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Eat and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, Go out into its streets and say, We wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. Wow. He sends these men out. They are announcing the kingdom of God. He's given them an understanding. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. He didn't pull any punches. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Take nothing with you. As you enter in, This is how you are to minister. If they respond, if they receive it, good. If they don't, move on. Because not everyone is going to receive Jesus. Not everyone is going to receive the good news. Not everyone is excited about God. Because they love their own rebellion. They love themselves. They love their lives. They are heeding the call. They're not listening. They will not respond. Their hearts are hardened. And so leave them to their fate and move on. Do the work of, the, of, the, of your father. Advance his kingdom. Announce his kingdom. Serve your master and serve him faithfully. We got to wake up to the urgency of the hour. When Bibles are now being burned in streets of America. When churches 
are being targeted and attacked. When the Christian faith is being mocked and ridiculed. This is not time for the church to be cowering down. No, it's time for the church to know her God. To live for her God. To honor God. And all that she says and does. Go to Psalm 74. Psalm 74. Oh God, why have you rejected us so long? Why is your anger so intense against the sheep of your own pasture? Remember that we are the people you chose long ago, the tribe you redeemed as your own special possession. And remember Jerusalem, your home here on earth. Walk through the awful ruins of the city. See how the enemy has destroyed your sanctuary. There your enemies shouted their victorious battle cries. There they set up their battle standards. They swung their axes like woodcutters in a forest. With axes and picks they smashed the carved paneling. They burned your sanctuary to the ground. They defiled the place that bears your name. Then they thought, let's destroy everything. So they burned down all the places where God was worshipped. We no longer see your miraculous signs. All the prophets are gone and no one can tell us when it will end. How long, O oh God, will you allow our enemies to insult you? Will you let them dishonor your name forever? Why do you hold back your strong right hand? Unleash your power first and destroy them. You, O oh God, are my king from ages past. Bring salvation to the earth. You split the sea by your strength and smash the heads of the sea monsters. You crush the heads of Leviathan and let the desert animals eat him. You cause the springs and streams to gush forth and you dried up rivers that never run dry. Both day and night belong to you. You made the starlight and the sun. You set the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. See how these enemies insult you, Lord. A foolish nation has dishonored your name. Don't let these wild beasts destroy your turtle doves. Don't forget your suffering people forever. Remember your covenant promises for the land is full of darkness and violence. Don't let the downtrodden be humiliated again. Instead, let the poor and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how these fools insult you all day long. Don't overlook what your enemies have said or their growing uproar. Wow, that could be written for today. You see, there's nothing new. Israel did not obey God. And God brought destruction upon them. He allowed their enemies... To destroy them. 
He allowed the enemies to destroy their places of worship. He allowed the enemies to destroy the places in which they were to be honoring God. And they weren't honoring God. They had turned from God. They had worshipped Him in their own strength. They said prayers that were birthed from soulish praying. They fasted just to fast. They worshipped, but their hearts weren't in it. They just showed up. So it's not like the enemy is stronger than God. No, God just unleashed the enemy to have at it. But I love the psalmist. He remembers God. He remembers God's covenant. He's crying out to God in the midst of despair. We're all when all hope seems lost. Where it seems like everyone and anyone has turned from God. And now the enemy has gained control. Oh, that you would remember that God is still on His throne. And that God is good. And that God is great. And that God is just. And that God is love. He can use that which the enemy has called. And turn it around for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Oh, how I pray that you are marked among them who love him and are called according to his purpose. Go to Proverbs verse chapter 12, verse 11. One nugget of wisdom. Proverbs 12, verse 11. A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Mm. Don't be a fool. Running amok. Always dreaming, but never doing. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. Let's close in worship. And then I'll close this in prayer.